from DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts, this is the Super Flex Super Show. Your main source for strategy, speculation, player values, and all things Super Flex. With innovative strategies like QBX and the Super Flex Flywheel, exercises like Tinder Flex, Super Six, You're Nuts, and next week this week, the Super Show's Super Friends never lack the content you need to help you draft and manage your roster in the fastest growing fantasy football format, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Enjoy your DLF podcast and stay sexy and super flexy. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan. Over there is Ryan. We are we're just a twosome this week. No Matt Price. He's away on assignment. So just me and Ryan holding down the fort. Ryan. Uh, how was your Thanksgiving, bud? You get some turkey in you? Thanksgiving was good. The football was good on Thanksgiving. I mean, that's that's just, you know, that's the best day of the year, right? Um, yeah. yeah. For us football fans, it is. Absolutely. So, yeah, it was it was a great day. Uh, a great week of football all around, I would say. some. Uh, I, I heard some complaining about the 1 o'clock games that, uh, you know, there were, there were no good teams at 1 o'clock, no good games. I, I thought it ended up being okay. We got a couple of fun ones in the early slate and then uh and then the the four o'clock slate was uh certainly the highlight of the of the weekend i would say yeah it really it really started well with that packers uh detroit lions game i guess unless you're a lions fan but there was it was an exciting game at the very least and came down to it dallas really whooped up on the commanders of course and then seattle didn't really show up against the 49ers so um, the standalone games were up and down, but I agree with you. The early games, like we're going to talk about that Pittsburgh offense. They played Cincinnati and there wasn't a lot of scoring there, but that was an exciting game. I thought that came down to it. And there were some fun things for fantasy. And then the Jacksonville Houston game was back and forth. Indianapolis, Tampa Bay. That was a good game and had some, some fantasy big performances as well. I, I really enjoyed the week as a whole, um, you know, last week, Ryan, I mentioned on the show that that we have Canadians that listen and, and you know, it's not Thanksgiving up there in Canada. And I joked that, you know, if I was a Canadian, I'd take that Thursday off and watch football. I got I got a tweet from somebody from up there. They, they said that's exactly what I do every year. I take that nice. Thursday off and uh, his co-workers make fun of him that he's, he's an American uh, for one day a year because he celebrates Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving in Canada. So hello to Matthew out there. Thanks for listening every week. And thanks for watching football with us, all of us Americans uh, on Thanksgiving. Yeah. We got a lot to get to. Like, go ahead. Oh, he's celebrating football. He's not celebrating Thanksgiving. So that's, that's a great idea. That's right. That's how I should have responded to him, but I didn't. Uh, We do have a lot to get to, including a conversation about that Steelers offense. And we're going to try to predict the early rounds of this coming uh, I guess next week's December DLF ADPs to talk about some some big names in the dynasty space. And then uh, we're going to have a fun con- running back conversation as well. But first, I should mention that is, this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast is brought to you by League Tycoon. If you guys haven't played in a contract dynasty league or if you've ever really thought about joining one, uh, but we're maybe worried that it might be too much work, then you got to check out League Tycoon. They have perfected a platform for fantasy football salary cap and contract leagues. I play in a lot of them. I love their platform. Uh, it's so easy to use, easy to set up, and they, they have so many configuration and management options to make it easy on the commissioner and so easy on dynasty managers. Uh, their mobile app makes managing your team so easy. In fact, that mobile app might be the best I've ever seen in the fantasy space. It's very feature rich, rich, easy to navigate, and doesn't have a lot of distracting features to take away from the pure fantasy football experience. Go to LeagueTycoon.com to get more information and download the app. And if you use the promo code DLF when creating your league, 
that first year is going to be absolutely free for you guys. The Startup. Well, I mentioned Canada. We need to talk about Canada one more time, but this time it's former uh, Pittsburgh Steelers offensive coordinator Matt Canada, who got fired last week, Ryan, and the Steelers offense woke up. They beat the Bengals 16-10. They didn't exactly light up the scoreboard, but for the first time this year, Pittsburgh outgained an opponent 421 to 222, and for the first time, this year, they gained at least 400 yards. So positives out of Pittsburgh. Um, your general feelings about the Steelers' offense, it really did feel like Kenny Pickett and company kind of got things going despite only scoring 16 points. Yeah, first time in 50-plus uh, games, I believe, that the, the offense has gained over 400 yards. So um, a huge uh, a huge milestone and, and long coming for sure. Um yeah, I mean, I think I think all all fantasy football players were happy to see Matt Canada lose his job. You hate to say that because, of course, these 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 are real people we're talking about. But um, he simply was not getting it done. I was I was really surprised when we ended last season and uh, it was announced that he would he would be back. Uh, I think I and and many others expected that that they would go a different direction following last season and, and uh, you know, stuck with them. Obviously that did not work. I don't know how much of a turnaround I was expecting in one week, really, really less than one week after they make that decision and, and play on Sunday. But I mean, yeah, it was good to get a win. It was good to uh, hit those milestones we mentioned, but the, the offense wasn't great. It, it wasn't great. And, and it still, to me, comes down to this quarterback. I, I just don't have faith in, in Kenny Pickett to lead uh, a team to uh, success in the, in the NFL. Yeah. It, it, there's been a few shining moments for Pickett, some throws that you think that's the guy. That's why they drafted him in the first round. There's also some head scratching plays mm-hmm. and some decisions, particularly holding on to the ball too long, not getting it out on time to these receivers who are so skilled and, and they, they're creating this separation. That's probably where the disconnect was. Pickett was pretty good, though, on Sunday against the Bengals. 24 for 33, 278 yards, didn't throw a touchdown, um, but managed the offense, I would say. Um, and although maybe Deontay Johnson, 4 for 50, uh, and George Pickens, five or excuse me, 3 for 58, didn't light up the the stat sheet either. Um, it really wasn't necessary. There were times when they were clearly trying to hold on to the ball, run the run the clock, run the ball like the Steelers tend to do. And the game plan uh, clearly was to get Najee Harris and Jalen Warren the football. Najee had a big day, fifteen for ninety nine and a touchdown. Warren, on the other hand, lost a fumble, thirteen for forty nine. So it was a Harris game rather than a Jalen Warren game. Yeah. When you look at these players in general, uh, and we didn't even get to the biggest uh, fantasy scorer who very few probably had in their lineup, Pat Fryermuth, nine for 120 on 11 targets, tight end one right now. Um, When you look at this offense as a whole and these specific players, what is there to get excited about as a dynasty manager, both for the short term as we try to win a championship and then for the long term now now that Matt Canada is gone? Well, I think for the long term, the answer is still probably the same. Those those pass catchers, um, you know, for better or worse, they're all all, all three: Deontay Johnson, Pickens, and Fryermuth are, are certainly very talented and and still still young. So there's a lot to like there. I mean, Pickens has had, uh, you know, I guess I don't know some attitude problems. I'm not sure what to call it, but there's there's certainly been a few red flags with him. We saw Deontay Johnson. I don't know if you saw that on Sunday, Dan, but, uh, on the, yeah. the fumble where he essentially just watched the play happen and, and, uh, was asked about it post game and, and did not, did not defend himself very well. Uh, so that's, that's kind of a concern too. Uh, but again, long-term assuming they can find a, a competent offensive coordinator this off season, those are the three guys I still like short-term over the rest of this season. Again, I'm not sure much changes. I, I 
I don't want to start players on this team if I can avoid it. Yeah. Also, there was a story over the last week that Deontay got into a skirmish with Minka Fitzpatrick. They had to be pulled apart. So you're not really sure what's good. That's not really typical of a Mike Tomlin team. Right. Uh, Really disciplined. You don't typically get those kind of off the field issues or even sideline issues that we've been seeing here recently. And Deontay doesn't hasn't ever struck me as that type of guy. Um, certainly has always been, been kind of a leader. I always thought that maybe that's, uh, either me overlooking something or, or something new happening with him specifically. I think you're probably right. Not a lot of use here, um, for the Steelers offense in the short term. Pickens is the one that probably grabs the attention of most dynasty players because of that downfield presence, the ability to go up and get the football, particularly in the end zone. That that high-flying, big-play playmaker is what we all crave and want on our roster. Pickens doesn't get those type of opportunities enough, although he had the big play down the left sideline on Sunday he just gets the three catches for 58 yards on five targets. And it really did feel like they were setting up that play action to get him the ball down the field. It took until the fourth quarter for that to happen. I wish I wish he'd get the three, four short to intermediate shots every, every game to go along with these downfield opportunities. I think he did catch a screen earlier in the game on Sunday that I saw on red zone, but He's not he, he's not that big of a part of that offense right now. He, we don't see double-digit target games nearly enough. In fact, just five on Sunday. It makes you think that he's a secondary and maybe even the third option now that Fryermuth's back. Mm-hmm. His long-term upside, Ryan, is it capped or are we is he still ascending? It's it's so tough to say with him because uh, first of all, he he's been so inconsistent. But then I go back to the quarterback, um, and, and I guess I would I, I would turn that one on you. And we're going to do a lot of projecting and predicting here in this episode. We're going to talk ADP, as you mentioned, and kind of talk about some running backs, what they might look like next year. So let's let's project this. Is Kenny Pickett going to be the starting quarterback next season for this team? You know, if I had to guess right now, and that's all we're really doing. Uh, although we'll be in the DeLorean later, so we'll know for sure what's going on. Uh, I'd say yes. It really does feel like it's Pickett's Uh. team and they're trying to develop them. And honestly, I think the reason Matt Canada was still there this year was specifically for Kenny Pickett. They wanted him to have the same coordinator, same offense, a lot of, a lot of, uh, um, the, the same feels, if you will, you know, like, like not change too thing, Mm -hmm. too many things up and make him feel as comfortable as possible. I think they accomplished that, but it didn't, it didn't help him enough. And I still feel like the people around Pittsburgh, and maybe I'm wrong on this, have high hopes for Kenny Pickett and feel like he has a high ceiling, if you will, the problem is that that floor, or at least that young floor, has been pretty darn low, and it's it's, ca- it's certainly capped the upside of the players around him in that offense for fantasy. I don't know. I, I guess I, you know, you look at what the Jets did this off season, this past off season, obviously making the move for for Aaron Rodgers, and um, I mean this Pittsburgh team has has somehow had some success this season. Um, again, we, we like some of their offensive playmakers. They've, they always have a solid defense. So I just wonder, you know, whether it's Kirk cousins or, or, you know, whoever it might be, I wonder if they somehow make a move to upgrade that quarterback position. That's what they're going to have to do to, to really get me interested in uh, targeting Pickens or or really any of these Steelers uh, offensive players. Yeah, it, you know, we'll see how how that coaching staff changes with Canada gone. You know, there's there's the Byron Leftwich uh, rumors that are going around. Of course, he was back in Pittsburgh um, in the past and has a connection to that coaching staff. It really it really is um, a big question mark, and Pickett is probably the biggest biggest question mark on the roster right now because it feels like with Fryermuth Pickens and Deontay Johnson as that core pass catching group. And they always seem to add a second or third round receiver to add to that. Uh, And Najee Harris and Warren kind of entrenched in that backfield at this point. 
um, as a nice complement to one another. Pickett's probably the guy that we're going to be questioning. I I guess it wouldn't be shocking for sure, but I would say I'd, I'd, I'd think more than 50% chance that Pickett's the starter in week one in 2024. We'll see how that plays out. Fryermuth, though, Ryan, before we move on, uh, really a resurgence. Now back in the fold, this could have something to do with the change at, at offensive coordinator team, or play calling. Um, but a nice sign, maybe Fryermuth could become useful down the stretch and show that he's he's one of them back end, mid to back end tight end ones that we can use and maybe even depend on uh, as we move along. Yeah, it was, it was nice to see uh, a good game from Friar Meath for sure. I, I do think it mostly has to do with the, um, uh, the Bengals defense. They've uh, coming into Sunday had given up seven tight end one games, which is the, uh, the most in the league they allow, uh, or they have been allowing nearly 15 fantasy points per game to the tight end position. That's uh, not quite worst in the league, but that's close as well. So I think this was a great matchup for uh, for Fryermuth, and uh, hopefully he can continue this hot streak. But uh, I think it probably has more to do with the matchup than uh, any kind of coaching change. Uh, before we get to our ADP segment, where we get to predict the early rounds of December DLF ADP, we wanted to mention that uh, DLF is once again running that annual Black Friday Cyber Week sale. And this year, it is our biggest sale ever. It's going on right now and running through December 1st. So if you're listening to this before the 1st, you need to go get your full year of DLF premium access for $15 off the normal annual membership price. That's just $34.99 for a full year of industry-leading analysis, rankings, tools, and the community from the most experienced dynasty site on the planet. With numerous analytics tools and the most comprehensive and informative dynasty trade analyzer in the business, as well as the best uh, dynasty rankings anywhere, this is an incredible value that will pay dividends all year long. So don't miss out on this chance to get the best deal of the year on the best dynasty site in the industry, industry, dynastyleaguefootball.com. Uh, the Cyber Week sale, it's going on right now. Get your $15 off before it's gone. You down with ADP? Yeah, you know me. Yeah, we're always down with ADP, and you can find that over on DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Get your access and that $15 off with your new subscription right now during Cyber our Cyber Week sale. Let's try to predict the first couple rounds of DLF single quarterback ADP. We're going to try to focus on the biggest risers and fallers. Who's going to fall in and out of round one and two and try to highlight why. Um, we thought it'd be fun since it's just the two of us this, this week, Ryan, to try to try to nail down ADP one through 24. So let's go through round one in November. I'll name the names and then we can try to try to narrow down who might fall out and then try to identify who might jump in. In November, the ADP went Justin Jefferson, then Jamar Chase at the top, 1-2, of course, followed by A.J. Brown at number 3. Uh, B. John Robinson came in fourth in the first running back, followed by C.D. Lamb and Tyreek Hill at number 6. After that, it went Christian McCaffrey, Amon Ross St. Brown, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, Travis Etienne at 11, and then Jalen Waddell at 12. So of those 12 names, Ryan, and if you had to identify one guy that's going to fall out, who would it be for you? Uh, if I'm only choosing one, I think I'm probably going with Travis Etienne. Uh, he's slowed okay. down slowed down a little bit over the past couple weeks, and I think we've seen some solid play from some of the other running backs uh, behind him. So I think he could uh, kind of fall back to the pack a little bit and, and likely fall into that second round range rather than the first round. Completely agree with you there. He was the guy I had pegged as most likely to fall out. And again, not, not a long fall, probably yeah. three, four, five spots. But after uh, a string of four straight games from weeks five through nine, right before the bye, where he scored at least 22.7 uh, PPR points, Following the bye, just 6.4 points and 8.9 in week 10 and 11. Wasn't a big part of that offense. I think got nicked up 
in that Jags game uh, on Sunday against the Texans as well. And that was a spot where many dynasty managers were probably think thinking he'd rebound. That didn't exactly happen. That's going to be reflected in his ADP. If there's a second name, Ryan, who would that be for you? Would, would you go with the next guy on the list, Jalen Waddle? Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, I, I do yeah, think that's who I had to. Yeah, I think it's Waddle, but I think the you know that's a little bit of the easy answer. He's twelfth on the list based on last last month's ADP. I think either of the Jets, uh, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, they're nine and ten right now. I think either of them could fall. They are getting a little bit of a pass uh, just due to the uh, the Zach Wilson effect. So uh, those those guys are seemingly maintaining their value as, as we're just in a, in a holding pattern. Uh, but yeah, ETN Waddle to me are, are the most likely guys to fall out. Yeah. Waddle again, since we collected this ADP in November till now, a couple down games had the buy in there uh, under 10 points in a couple of those games before Friday, when he, when he uh, surged just a little bit, had, had a relatively big game, especially when you consider him, but he's the wide receiver 30 on the season, yeah. uh, depending on your scoring system coming into the week. So uh, not exactly lighten it up and, and very little consistency without those big burst games outside uh, of that week eight game where he went over 25 points. Um, so if it's ETN and Waddle falling out, maybe one of those Jets fall out. I, I kind of feel like they're likely to hold on to, to back of the first round. Uh, especially Garrett Wilson because of his just enormous upside and the potential down the road when he does have a quarterback. We have to try to find a wide receiver, or excuse me, a player to replace these guys. Before we do that, though, let's try to nail down these picks, one through six. It went Jefferson, Chase, Brown, Bijan, Lamb, and then Tyreek. Do you see any changes in that top six, Ryan? I honestly don't. I think we, I, I think the top six could stay the exact same. Uh, we didn't see Jefferson fall uh, because of his injury earlier in the season. So certainly expect him to maintain uh, same thing with chase. Now that uh, now that Joe Burrow's gone, I still think, uh, I think he'll hold on to that two spot. Although we've uh, obviously seen some big time play from AJ Brown, from CD lamb. Uh, I think the top six stays the exact same. The only, the only question I thought is that maybe CD Lamb jumps B. John Robinson. I could see dynasty yeah. managers uh, really loving that 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 wide receiver usage, but Bijan was so good on Sunday for the Falcons. His usage is way up. I'm sure if Matt was here, he would he he would wax poetically about Bijan and <laughs> and how uh, how he's finally getting what we what we want or how we are finally getting what we want. Um, but Bijan at, at four sounds fine. CD Lamb would fall in at five, and then Tyreek at six. Do you see anybody upending McCaffrey at seven or Amon Ra at eight? Are those guys flip flopping? I think they could flip flop. I do. I do look at St. Brown as a riser. Honestly, if he if he even jumped ahead of Tyreek Hill, that wouldn't be shocking to me. Uh, St. Brown has been just so, so consistent and shown some ceiling games as well. So uh, he, he feels like a value gainer, although he may end up moving up only one or two spots. Yeah. He's, he's likely to stay in that mid first round of course, but it does feel like the consistency there. If there is a Mr. Consistent this season, it feels like it's Amon Ra at this point in the year. In fact, uh, I was looking at his scoring throughout the season and, and uh, he's hit, he's hit uh, the teens in every single game that he's played this year. Of course he missed that week five contest and the spike weeks have been awesome in week 10. He had 30 points. He did the same in week six with that kind of consistency, that kind of floor out of ARSB. I wouldn't be surprised if he jumps up to seven as well. We'll put him there. And then Christian McCaffrey at eight. Who do you think, comes in at number nine, Ryan. Um, I think there's two players that we should probably talk about. And one of them would actually, would actually mean he goes up. I think it's either Garrett Wilson, who currently was at number 10 and it's just on ultimate long-term upside, or it's the number 13 player, Jameer Gibbs, who could jump all the way up there. 
Yeah, we we listed ETN and and Waddle as as players potentially falling out of round one. Uh, the difficult thing with with going much deeper than that is you look at round two and outside of Jameer Gibbs, uh, I, I'm not sure there's any clear risers. We know uh, we know the dynasty community is is so reactive in general, and while these most of these guys are playing at a at a pretty high level we haven't had that huge breakout like we have seen from Gibbs over the past month so Gibbs will certainly be a first rounder and I think this is probably the spot for him I do think he jumps ahead of Brees Hall and becomes the uh the RB3 and again if he even moves ahead of McCaffrey who we currently have at eight uh that wouldn't be a shocker either there is a stretch for Brees Hall between week seven and week 11, where he uh, went over 20 PPR fantasy points in each of those games, flirted with 30 in a couple of them this week against the Packers, took a step back just a little bit, just 12 fantasy points in PPR leagues, and uh, not going to finish where he was. But we saw finishes uh, in the single dig- digits. He was he was in the top 10 running backs for four straight games. Uh, there was a buy mixed in there. That's going to push him up ADP. Do you think there's a chance... He goes a little higher than that even. Could he could he get up above some of these other players like Tyreek and and uh Christian McCaffrey in some drafts, Ryan? It's 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 a really interesting time of year because obviously we have uh we have a lot of teams ready for the playoff push and and valuing veterans like Christian McCaffrey and Tyreek Hill still very, very highly while others are already looking ahead to the off season into next year. So um, it, it honestly, it could go either way, but yeah, could Gibbs get ahead of even Tyree? Could he get into the top five or six? Could he go ahead of Bijan Robinson? I think all of those are, are possible. Yeah, they're realistic. And depending on where, what draft you're in, um, you could see him go probably as high as four or five and maybe as low as 12 ish, but I don't think he's falling out of the first round in most drafts. Yeah. As far as an ADP, we've got him here at nine. The more we talk that that's starting to feel like his floor. It might be closer to his floor. Um, now that we're talking about it for sure. Uh, after Gibbs at number nine, it does feel to me that this is where the jets fall in line. Yeah. Um, of course, talking about Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. Do you have any, any changes to that? I would say Wilson ahead of Hall. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I would take Wilson here if I were on the clock and then following up at number 12, I would probably go with Brees Hall. Um, That leaves us at number 12. And the only uh, first rounders from November that we're missing then are ETN and Waddle. We said earlier, we thought ETN's the most likely to fall out. Does that mean Waddle? takes over this number 12 spot or do you see another name out of round two that you could see jumping up here? Um, I could see a couple of receivers uh, claiming this, this Jalen Waddle spot. Uh, and I think the most likely one would be Chris Olave. Uh, obviously he's been a, uh, he's been a first rounder. He's been valued as a first rounder uh, for much of the past year or so. Fell to 17 last month. Uh, that coincided with both a you know a slight dip in his production, along with some big games from some of the players who uh, moved ahead of him. But uh, if I'm picking one guy here at 12, I'm going Chris Olave. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling with Waddle or Olave. It's those two guys for me, and and I'll side with you on that on this one. I love Olave. Of course, he was. He was nicked up on Sunday, but had such a huge first half. We'll have to see how he came out of that. Um, but the but the uh, the main takeaway for him, especially this week, was once again he becomes the primary pass catcher. Right? He's the he's the kind of the only show in town um, with Michael Thomas going on IR, and he was a focal point of the offense once again. Nine targets, seven catches for 114 yards, was a target down the field as well as on those short routes. He, he saw bubble screens, uh, hit the slants as well, something usually that goes to Michael Thomas. So Olave, depending on his health, could have a very big finish to the season. I like him falling in right here 
at number 12. Let's uh, quickly go through round two uh, of our November ADP. That went Jameer Gibbs, who we slotted in at nine, followed by Stefan Diggs and Jonathan Taylor, who we haven't talked about and had a big game last week. After Taylor, it went Kenneth Walker at 16, followed by Chris Olave, who we moved up to 12, then Jordan Addison and Devontae Smith at 18 and 19, respectively. That uh, is followed up by DK Metcalf, Puka Nakua, Devin Achan, and uh, Brandon Ayuk. Jalen Hurts at 24 rounds out the top uh, or the end of round two. So with this group, Ryan, we have to identify names most likely to fall out, first of all. Is there a guy that you specifically think is most likely to, to pop out of the top 24? The name standing out to me is is DK Metcalf. He, he's at he was yeah. at twenty last month. Um, you know, a little bit older than a lot of the other receivers on the group uh, in that group. While he's certainly not old, he's not been producing. Uh, not not nearly at the level that uh, we expected him to. And again, we talk about it all the time. There's just so many young wide receivers. If you're not if you're not producing now it's not just moving down one or two spots. It's moving down five or 10 spots. And, and I think that's what we could see happen with DK Metcalf. Uh, if he's like a late third rounder in our uh, next ADP, if he falls from 20 to 34, 35, I, I, I could see that happening. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, he's a mid wide receiver three in your league, depending on what your scoring system is. And while he's typically in PPR coming into the double digits, he hasn't had those spike weeks. Really, it was uh, week week 11 where he hit 20 points that week. But outside of that, hasn't reached that threshold on the year. And, and then on uh, Thursday night, on Thanksgiving night, pretty much disappeared from that game plan. Wasn't a big part of what they were doing there with in Seattle and, and San Francisco shut everybody down, but it's becoming easy to see, right. Especially in those bright green uniforms that DK is not, uh, is not coming through for dynasty managers anywhere. Um, so DK is the most likely to fall out. We'll keep that in, in mind as we move along. Is there another name outside of Olave and Gibbs who we already moved into round one, Ryan, that's the most likely of this group to make a big jump up? Um, I mean, Jordan Addison, I could see moving up for sure. Uh, again, just because of the... Uh, you know, the infatuation that we all have uh, with with young players, um, although he, too, has has kind of slowed down and uh, we expect Justin Jefferson back on the field uh, following the bye. So that could that could certainly impact Addison's value. I, I don't know. As I said earlier, this this second round group is an interesting one. Brandon Ayuk has certainly played well, 23rd overall, so he could be a riser here. Yeah, he, he was the name that I was kind of thinking. Addison's kind of capped by his court, the quarterback change in yeah. Minnesota. There's also the the dark cloud that is who will be the quarterback in 2024 that might affect his dynasty value in the short term. Whereas with Ayuk, he has a quarterback that we all trust. He has a coaching staff we all trust. It feels like 23 is going to be way too late to be selecting Ayuk. Wow, what a bargain last offseason to get him. Uh, what in the fourth round in he was in ADP uh, at one point in the off season. Now we're going to be talking about him in the middle of the second round. So we already moved Gibbs and Alave into round one. We won't forget about ETN and Waddle who popped down into round two. If you had to pick a 13th player, are we talking about those guys with Waddle and ETN? We were, we were thinking about maybe Waddle at 12 still. Does he slot in at 13, right? Yeah, it would be Waddle for me here at 13. Uh, I think we're going to see um, an opportunity for managers to to really kind of pick the path of their team because we have a handful of receivers, a handful of running backs, all valued similarly, and uh, they could go in, in almost any order in the first half of this second round. Yeah, so once Waddle's off the board – uh, we have ETN as the top running back, according to November ADP. But 
Jonathan Taylor's lingering, of course, as well. He had a big game on Sunday. After that, if you want to go back to the receiver position, we could talk about one of those guys that you mentioned. There's also Stefan Diggs, who came in at 14 last month, but until Sunday was kind of on a, on a down streak of performances. Who's next for you? Mm, I think we have to move to the running back position. I'm... I'm going to go with ETN here. Uh, it's it's ETN versus uh, Jonathan Taylor, and, and it's kind of a toss-up. Uh, I, I prefer ETN, uh, but uh, again, very close. Tough to tough to project what the community will do here. Yeah, it's really, it's really how dynasty managers um, value the different, the slight difference in age and, and maybe what Taylor did earlier in the season. Taylor was so good. On Sunday for the Colts, the Colts won that one 27 to 20, but Taylor 15 carries for 91 yards found Pater twice. He wasn't a part of the passing game, which certainly uh, affects his, his floor from yeah. a week to week basis. Those two touchdowns certainly helped out on Sunday though. Meanwhile, Travis Etienne, who I agree probably slots in at 14. He got 20 carries against that Houston front turned it into just 56 yards. So another disappointing output for ETN helped out as a pass catcher, though, that floor I just mentioned four catches for 30 yards on six targets. So ETN will, will slide him in at 14. That leaves Taylor as a possibility at 15. We also have the potential of a wide receiver moving up. You mentioned Addison's name. We, we also have Devonte Smith down here to talk about. IU could make a huge jump. I wouldn't be shocked if something like that happens, but it feels to me like Taylor's the guy at the 2.03. Yeah. I think I would have Taylor here as well. Um, and I think, yeah, this is actually the same spot he landed last month. So again, feels like a feels like a riser, but may not actually climb uh, very many spots when it comes down to it. Right, and Taylor, we we all think, oh, Jonathan Taylor, he's been around for four years, still only twenty four years old, so not that much older than some of the other running backs going in this range. Etn's twenty four, Kenneth Walker. Uh, came in at 16 overall last month. He's 23 years old, so uh, not a big difference there. And Taylor's getting that workload now, which all of us love to see. At 16, Ryan, are we switching back to the wide receiver position or going to stick with running back? Um, I think this might be the IUK spot. Uh, I do expect yeah. him to. I expect him to rise. Uh, to, to climb up the board. We've got Smith. We've got Addison. Uh, still have Puka Nakua, who was the second rounder last month. And, and you know, maybe it's, maybe has hit that rookie wall. But over the past month or so, Ayuk has been uh, pretty easily the best of that group. Yeah, after the bye, had, um, has had a couple nice games, including uh, a 26-point output in PPR in Week 11, sandwiched. Uh, between a couple of, of uh, mid-pack wide receiver two finishes. He has a high floor as well, it feels like, with the potential to spike over 30 points. I like him right here. Wouldn't be surprised if Dynasty managers kept him closer to 18 or 19, but this is where I would value him, and I think there's a, a high possibility that he he surges this high. Do you think Diggs comes in next, or are you going to go with a guy like Addison or Devontae Smith, Ryan? Uh, I'm not going Diggs. Uh, I I kind of see him falling. Potentially, he could be another one that could fall out of round three altogether. Um, I would round go, two. You mean out of round two? I'm sorry. Yes, uh, yeah. I would go Devonte Smith here. Yeah, I'm good with that. Smith, um, man, he makes plays. And earlier in the season, we thought uh, AJ Brown takes all the love, right? And and yeah. was on that cert that that streak of 125 yard performances. I like him right here. Um, after Devonte Smith at 17, we have to find number 18. Who you got here? Well, I think there are, I think there are four rookies that are really, uh, really interesting to talk about. Actually five rookies. I'm sorry. We haven't, we've mentioned Jordan Addison as a name to place going somewhere in this range. Uh, he did go 18th last month. 
which is the spot we're on here. But four other rookies, Puka Nakua was a uh, second rounder last uh, last month. Devon Achan was a second rounder last month. I could see both of those players falling. Uh, Nakua obviously slowed down a little bit uh, after his uh, record-setting pace to start the season, to start his career. And Devon Achan, we, we know the story there, tried to come back and got banged up again. Uh, I, I think he'll be falling. But two guys who were not among this group last month that I think could get into the second round are Sam Laporta and Tank Dell. I I wouldn't be surprised if either or both of those are second rounders. And this is probably the range to start, at least start the conversation. Ultimately, I would say Jordan Addison. Yeah, I, I don't think any of those other names that you mentioned there, the rookies, jumped Jordan Addison. So that's where the problem lies there. Nakua, of course, came in at 21 and Achan at 22. So that wouldn't be a huge jump, but the, uh, the I don't know, the, the drumbeat has been so great yeah. for so long for Addison. I don't think that a quarterback change and some dips in production here recently are going to push him any lower than this. So I'm with you. I think Jordan Addison falls in next in line. I'm good with either of those uh, other rookies if you want to push them up to 19, however. Well, I mean, both of us were both of us were doubters on, on Tank Dell, and and we were not alone. A lot of people were. Our buddy Matt was was not. He tried to try to convince us and we we didn't get there. But when you start considering a a one v one conversation, you know. Tank Dell versus DK Metcalf. And admittedly, Dell is not that much younger than DK Metcalf, who's been in the league for several years. Uh, but he is producing at, at a much higher level right now. And uh, as crazy as it sounds compared to what we thought a couple months ago, I trust the Texans offense a lot more than the Seahawks uh, right now. So I think I'm ready to put Tank Dell here, which is crazy. Oh, okay. I I didn't expect you to jump quite that high. It's really, it's really surprising. Um, or, or I guess surprising is probably not the right word, but this surge, um, nearly 30 points uh, in three of the last four games. The only other game we was flirting with 20. This this production, uh, it's similar to what we saw from Achan earlier in the season. Yes. Um, and it's probably similar to what we have seen so far this season from Laporta as well. We, mm-hmm. we saw some spike games early in the season. He came back down to earth and then had the big game on Thanksgiving again. So because um, Dell's surge has come most recently, it's not, wouldn't be that surprising to see his name listed above Nakua who did the same thing early in the season and the other two rookies. This this would be a pretty monumental jump, though, to go from wide receiver 41 in November, uh, 80 overall, all the way up to 19 overall. That's, sure. that's a pretty huge jump. But uh, I could see dynasty managers doing it. I could also see a lot of dynasty managers seeing that pick in round two of our mocks and saying, whoa, that's way too early. Um, good with going with Tank Dell here. I, I, would, I would think that Puka and A-Chan would go over him in many leagues, though. Okay, let's uh, let's stick with those guys. Um, you know, we see those big jumps, and I'm sure we talked about uh, we talked about those jumps that that Puka Nakua made, that uh, Devon A-Chan made, comparing um, September and October ADP, or, or even September to November. Um, but you're right, a, a November to December. ADP. We don't typically see, we don't see big jumps like that. Um, I do think we're going to see uh, a significant rise for, uh, for tank Dell. Uh, but yeah, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll cool it by a couple spots at least. Yeah. Just a couple spots. We had Addison at 18 rookie Puka Nakua at 19 rookie Devin Achan at 20 rookie. And let's slide tank Dell in there. At 21, the HN injury could push him down a few spots. Ryan, do you see him falling out of the second round, though? Um, again, it just becomes a question of who's taking that spot. Um, you know, we already talked about 
Diggs, Walker, and Metcalf as potential fallers as well, and uh, several of the other players who might be viewed as as next in line. You know, I think, I, I think I'm changing my tune here. Dell needs to move above a H N. Well, you know, you know, I'm good with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, I think we have to do that. And I think you're right about Laporta as well. He probably is above H N because he's been on the field, and the second injury for H N is going to affect how dynasty players um, feel about him, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just, you look at the, and, and I, I think it should, honestly, I moved him down in my rankings because that's, that was the concern with him. Not if he, you know, not if he could be a playmaker or, or, or whatever in the league that he's already shown, but if he could stay on the field and unfortunately uh, he hasn't done that lately, but you look at kind of the next guys up uh, uh, in addition to the names we've already mentioned, you've got, TJ Hawkinson. Well, I want, I want Laporta over him. You know, we think Laporta is the tight end one. So uh, we're not going to get Hawkinson here. All of the quarterbacks, uh, Hertz, Allen, Mahomes, however far you want, you know, CJ Stroud, potentially, however far you want to take that. Um, We did have Hertz as the 24th overall player in last month's ADP. So this would be the range where maybe we see some of those quarterbacks but looking at the other position players, Zay Flowers, eh, maybe Jackson Smith and I don't Jigba. Think so yet, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't either. Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's already been in this range and has lost value. So could he get back here? Maybe uh, Kenneth Walker could just stay inside the top twenty-four and be a, a faller here. Same for Steph Diggs. But then when you go further than that, we're talking Saquon Barkley and T Higgins and Drake London. DeAndre Swift and Eckler and Michael Pittman. And honestly, it's just a a lot of names that are are nice to have on your team, but don't necessarily get you excited and don't feel like second rounders in a dynasty startup. Yes. And that's where the problem lies. That's why I think Diggs is probably the next name on the list because dynasty managers will see that production and think to themselves, I just grab him rather than than reaching. Uh, sure, he's 29. If I'm on the clock, I think I, I would go with one of those younger. I think I would take Drake London here at 23. And that's a little bit scary because his mm-hmm. ceiling seems to be what he did on Sunday. I think it was like five for 91 um, at this point. But we still see the flashes and it makes you feel like that's a guy that's going to gonna, gonna excel down the road he's only 22 years old jsn is another one but because he's been there and hasn't really shown it yet uh and had to fall back into round three i think he settles into round three i think zay flowers is an interesting name if you want to get real interesting does nico collins get consideration Mm -hmm. in the middle early parts of the third round he's a name worth mentioning here if i had to pick right now i think i'd take drake london uh, but I think if we're trying to predict ADP, it's probably going to be Diggs. Well, I mentioned the quarterback position, and I think uh, while second, late second round or early third round is earlier than I would typically consider a quarterback, I, I think I, I think that group of quarterbacks is basically being viewed as a buffer between tiers, um, mm-hmm. meaning. I don't know who else to take here. I know Jalen Hurts is, is safe and, and even has uh, still plenty of upside. So he's fine here. And, and I think that's kind of the mentality that ends up putting Hurts or Allen or Mahomes uh, inside that second round or early third round. Um, I, I like your call on, on Drake London. Um, and I would consider him here as well. I would consider JSN here. Let me throw this one out, and this is not exactly what we're doing in this conversation, but it just has has me wondering. I have seen some leagues that actually draft in November, December for the for the next season, and they include the upcoming season rookie picks as part of the draft. Yeah, so give them to me. If you Th- could, they'd draft, be gone. We'd already be into those picks, right? So the one hundred and one is presumably Marvin Harrison. Uh, junior in a in a uh, one quarterback league 
I could see that going like 16th overall on this. Uh, uh, up there in the Brandon Ayuk, Devontae Smith thing, it wouldn't last this long, though. No, certainly not. I I think probably even higher than that. Um, so if if you're in one of those crazy leagues, first of all, good for you. That's that's fun. Um, Keep it dirty, weird. Yeah, those picks those picks are going to not only the 101, but I mean, we could see two or three or four picks gone by this by this uh, spot. And it, again, the it's the end of the round, second round. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of the same conversation as what we said with the quarterbacks. If there's, if there's a tier gap between running backs, between right wide receivers, I'll just take a pick here instead. Uh, ultimately we've got two guys here to name. Um, let's go, let's just go digs and, uh, and London to finish it off. Yeah, I, and I would have been fine and wouldn't be surprised if we see a, a quarterback as well. Let's get to our final segment before we run out of time here, Ryan. Let's hop in the Dynasty DeLorean. Where we're going, we don't need ADP. Ryan, there are a handful of starting running backs in the NFL that are productive. And very, very good for Dynasty right now. Dynasty managers are relying on them, but there are still question marks surrounding them. Let's cover these guys as quickly as possible. Try to figure out if we think these guys will be the starting running backs for their teams next season. We'll start with Rashad White, Ryan. Currently the RB11 in PPR in points per game, 15 points per game. He's the RB18 going into Sunday night football. He came into the league... Uh, with question marks surrounding him, but got the role this year um, and has done a lot with it fantasy-wise. But he still shows at times that he doesn't have that burst between the tackles, not necessarily a strength of his game running the football. The strength for him is catching the ball. And that's shown in his stat line, certainly helped us in fantasy. He's been the only show in town for the most part in Tampa Bay. Feels to me like he's a a third down back, quote unquote, or a a change of pace back caught in a starting full-time role right now. And that could just, just take a draft pick in the second, third or fourth round next year to change his role. I'm all for, for riding Rashad, Rashad White to a fantasy championship this year, but expecting more than that in 2024 and beyond is probably a mistake for dynasty managers. Yeah, Rashad White currently the RB6 in fantasy scoring, but just the RB22 in our dynasty ADP. And I, th- I think a lot of that is because of what you just said, that that uncertainty about his long-term role um, certainly has earned a role on uh, on this team, on the Bucs. Uh, but I, <laughs> I'm not confident either that he'll be that workhorse back, that every down back, uh, that he's been this year. And I mean, you think back to how the season played out last year with, um, with Leonard Fournette there, he clearly was not effective, was nearing the end of his career. And it was kind of Rashad white was all that was left. I mean, they added a couple of pieces uh, guys like chase Edmonds, but that just ultimately didn't end up mattering, uh, making a difference. The, the bucks do have nearly, are scheduled to have nearly $50 million in cap space this off season, uh, which is top 10 in the league. So whether they go the free agency route, whether they, like you said, use a uh, day two or early day three pick on another running back. I mean, I think it, I think it's the easy uh, leap to make here is that white is not going to see the same workload that he has seen this year. And so much of that production, I mean, he has not been, he has not been an efficient back. He's been, uh, he's been a volume back both in the passing game and the run game. So, I mean, he's, he's certainly going to be a guy who falls off production wise next year, in my opinion. Yeah. Currently through 11 games, 171 carries for 659 yards. I could see that being his total for 17 games next year if he if he's able to stay healthy. Seems like more of a 150 carry type player uh, rather than a 220, 225, which is what he projects right now. He has caught 45 passes though, Ryan. I wouldn't be shocked if he if he's in the 50 catch range a yeah. year from now 
uh, because he does profile as that guy in the perimeter that you want to get the ball to uh, with space. And uh, as a pass catcher, he's got really good hands. So he does have some strengths. Just doesn't seem like that um, that three down type running back. How about Isaiah Pacheco? A lot of dynasty managers listening right now might be thinking, wait a minute, why is he lumped in here with Rashad White? But Pacheco, a seventh round draft pick who um, kind of burst onto the scene for the Chiefs and has been really good for the season, right? He's the he's the RB24 in points per games to this point, which low end RB2, fringe RB2, that's not exactly a guy that's winning you matchups every single week. He's the RB12 in dynasty. So that that really is why he's in this conversation, Ryan. He's he's not putting up RB12 production right now. And honestly, I have a queasy stomach when I start to think about Pacheco in the long term because he's just one draft pick away from being replaced as well. Yeah, I've actually been surprised that they've leaned on Pacheco as much as they have this season uh, because they did you know, they did have uh, guys like Jarek McKinnon, who uh, was very successful in his specific role uh, late in the season last year. And, and Pacheco and McKinnon, I thought, complemented each other pretty well in in what they were trying to do. And considering the fact that this team has uh, get, gets almost nothing from their receiver position, I'm still a little surprised that McKinnon uh, hasn't hasn't had more of a of a role. I mean, I think, I think Pacheco just is what he is. Like he's a borderline RB one when he's, when he's getting that volume, he'll, you know, he'll be fine. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely think that the chiefs add something here. They're going to have some cap space as well. Uh, his ADP is RB 20. So like Rashad white, I think the dynasty community is being smart here. They're not overvaluing him. They're not pushing him up based on the production that we're seeing. Um, I, I d- while I don't think he should even necessarily be a dynasty faller, I, I do think this is kind of the, the top end uh, production-wise of what we should expect from Pacheco. Yeah, uh, over 150 carries, averaging over f- uh, close to four and a half yards per carry in an offense that we want a big part of. He was good on Sunday, but not great. 15 for 55 and two rushing scores will help the uh, fantasy managers. Kyron Williams, speaking of fantasy managers getting help, he was the RB1 on Sunday. They beat up on Arizona in that game, 37 to 14, 16 carries, 143 yards, six catches for 61 in those two touchdowns. Kyron Williams, he got a bad rap, I think. He didn't test well at the combine, Ryan. Uh, it was a 4 6 five, 40 time. His splits weren't good as well. And he kind of pro- profiled as that change of pace back, kind of like kind of like Rashad White, right? Because he's, he's a good pass catcher, and we expected him to – uh, to produce in that role. But looking back, he was, he was good between the tackles and I yeah. got kind of hung up on those athletic scores. He was, he was good between the tackles in college too. And, and that athletic profile wasn't there at the combine. So I think the whole dynasty community bumped him way down. And then we're surprised when he once again was good between the tackles early last season before injuries. And now this year took over that role of this, of these guys that we're talking about in this group. Uh, a lot of dynasty managers might think to themselves, well, Williams might be the least likely to be the guy a year from now. But the truth is, I kind of think he might be the most likely to be a 20 carry a week guy a year from now and might hold, hold there might be a lot of space for him to jump up uh, in value over the coming months. Totally agree with all of that. Uh, he's the RB 16 on the season, uh, but that's in total points. And and of course he uh, missed uh, what? At least four games. He, he's played eight games total. He has been a top 10 fantasy scorer in five of those eight games. And if you look at uh, fantasy points per game, he's the RB two on the season behind only Christian McCaffrey. I'm with you. Uh, he feels actually the safest of this group, the RB 26 in dynasty ADP. Uh, so he's behind, uh, he's behind Rashad wide. He's behind Pacheco behind, uh, at least one other guy we'll talk about here. I've got to, I've got to 
check my rankings and make sure I move him up because uh, I'm, I'm feeling very confident about Kyron Williams moving forward. Yeah. He, you know, playing for Sean McVay, who has a history of bell cow usage at running back uh, throughout his time with the Rams feels like he's the guy as long as he's healthy. And he proved that on Sunday. How about Jerome Ford? Nine carries for 65 yards on Sunday in the Browns loss, but caught four for 14 versus the Broncos. They lost 29 to 14 to Denver. Um, RB29 in ADP and has been productive as a fill-in. RB27 in points per game, just 12.4 in PPR. Another low-end RB2 game on Sunday. Uh, Lots of question marks as far as what's going to happen with Cleveland's backfield moving forward. What do you think the chances are that Ford could be the guy in Cleveland a year from now? I think he definitely could be and likely will be at least early in the season. Of course, this, uh, unlike the the other guys we've talked about, this comes down to the health status uh, of his teammate, Nick Chubb. And uh, if and when he can get back on the field, I, I don't think we'll see Chubb uh, at least early next season. So um, this this is a team, unlike some of the others we've mentioned, who does not have cap space. They're probably not going to go out and be signing one of those top free agent running backs like uh, Josh Jacobs or Saquon Barkley. In fact, they're uh, they have negative cap space as of now for uh, for the upcoming offseason. Uh, Ford's been solid, you know, three games as a top ten fantasy scorer. We haven't quite seen the ceiling that we've seen from certainly from Williams or, or even Rashad White um, as the RB twenty nine in our ADP again that that feels about right. I, th- I think he's being valued appropriately by the community. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you on that. He's, he's a guy that feels all right. If you have him as your RB four or RB five on your dynasty yeah. roster, but if you're counting on him as the RB two, you're, you're probably going to do some work at that position in the off season. James Cook is the last running back we need to talk about here. RB 16, 59 overall in our ADP. And the, the, the Bills running back has been sharing a workload, right, with Latavius Murray, which is surprising to many. Latavius being that guy between the tackles primarily and Cook being the guy who catches some passes and they try to get out on the perimeter. On Sunday against the Eagles, who have an incredible run defense, 16 carries for 43 yards. So not a big yards per carry average, but caught the six passes for 57. He certainly looks good in that role. And like Rashad White, um, who we talked about earlier, seems like there's a chance he's more of that kind of guy, Ryan. The the guy that comes in as a change of pace and uh, you try to change things up with, certainly want to get the ball in his hands in space. But the Bills relying on him for double digit, or excuse me, 20 touches per game, that might be a 2023 thing, not a 2024 thing. I could see them using a mid-round pick on a power back or between the tackles runner, Latavius Murray moving on, and a guy like Cook fading slightly as far as usage goes. Yeah, it's it's tough to say exactly what the plan was here because, of course, the Bills let Devin Singletary walk. They bring in Damian Harris, and, and there were some pretty high expectations for Harris uh, this offseason, and he hasn't been able to stay on the field, had, had a couple of injuries, including a serious one here that – uh, you know, potentially in, has ended his season. And then they bring in Murray. So unlike the Bucks, the Bills are are not ready to fully rely on James Cook, uh, which is kind of telling us all we need to know, I think. Um, so looking ahead, you know, we're in the DeLorean here, looking ahead to, to next season, it's probably not going to be Latavius Murray, probably not going to be Damian Harris, but it, it's going to be somebody that the Bills get in there and assuming that player is is more talented than Murray or or Harris, I think we could see Cook's workload, especially his his uh, rushing workload, uh, decrease significantly. Yeah, to see Latavius Murray at this point in his career taking double digit carries away from a younger, more dynamic yeah. running back, that probably speaks to the overall talent or at least the expectations from that coaching staff for that young player. Of course, that's James Cook, who we, we all like. We're just not sure if we have an, uh, a top 20 
uh, fantasy running back with James Cook. PPR has more upside than standard, of course. So, uh, so that paints a pretty clear picture in the DeLorean. What is expected of these running backs? We're going to continue to have these conversations on the pod as the weeks move along. Hope you're lined up for a deep playoff run. We're going to talk about all those players that are doing that for you in the coming weeks. For Ryan, I'm Dan. We'll expect Matt. Matt back next week thanks for listening to this episode of the dlf dynasty podcast we'll catch you again next week thank you for listening to the dlf dynasty podcast please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts